Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning again. My name is Blake. It's a privilege to have you with us here at Faith. Um, I want to kick off by showing you this image. It is a painting uh, by this man of name of Paolo Vernice, painted in 1562, the Renaissance era. Now, this is a photo or a painting that is known as the Wedding of Canaan or Cana, as you would see. And you see right in the middle is this individual. You can see him with the, the blue shawl by the name of Jesus. Many of us are familiar with this. The artist painted this over 156 different representations of people throughout this image. People from saintlyhood to people from, from uh, sinners and, and tax collector status, from musicians and artists to people that are just maybe that seem like foreign dignitaries. All throughout this image and this painting with Jesus at the middle. The painting of this, this image is actually a reflection of Jesus' very first miracle that we see in John chapter 2. What did he do? He turns water into wine. What's he do it at? In a wedding, in a feast, in a party. I find it ironic and interesting that Jesus' first divine movement when he comes out and does a miracle is in the presence of people. Jesus was a, a people person. Jesus loved people. He loved to party with people. He loved to celebrate with people. He loved to make sure the good times rolled on and carried on. And in other words, Jesus was a great, great friend to people. How many of us are thankful that Jesus cares the way that he cares for you and I. We're encouraged in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, that it actually says this, and you can see it on the screen, that Jesus had a very interesting outlook, much more different than a lot of us hold today. But he says this, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. He's going back and forth with some religious elite people. And then he goes on to say, I have come to call those who think, not those who think they are righteous, but those who think or know that they are sinners. So understand that Jesus didn't come for the perfect person. Jesus didn't come for the individual that has it all together, that's wearing the right outfit, that has the perfect color combination with the beautiful family. Jesus came for the marginalized, the hurting, the ones with problems, the ones with the past, the ones who are dealing with the issue as we think and talk and discuss this morning. Jesus came for people who were essentially knowing they weren't worthy of even being viewed at, being seen. Jesus cared for those people, loved those people. How many of us are grateful for that today, right? 
You know, what's interesting when we talk about this, Jesus' view on people is drastically at times different than our view on people. You know, Jesus was a great friend, we can say. Jesus was a great leader, we can say. But the challenge and the issue is kind of like this. We, we all want a friend like Jesus, but we don't at times live a life that is a representation or a friend like Jesus. We want those friends like Jesus, but we aren't friends like Jesus. Let me just put it this way. I mean, how many of you have been in this scenario where you text somebody and you're like, they need to text me back. And you're sitting there and you're waiting and they don't text you back and you get frustrated. How many of times when it's like, hey, I, I have a friend out there, if I get a flat tire, they, they help me change that flat tire, but at times maybe a flat tire's in front of you and you're like, man, I'm too busy for that. It's an inconvenience. I can't really do that. How many of you are like, hey, I take my friend to lunch at times. I pay for lunch because I care about him and them. And then what's up? Sometimes they never really pay you back. And you're like, dude, what kind of friend are you? Have you ever had some moments where you're expecting people to be a good friend to you and they don't really respond that way? And if we asked ourselves, have we ever operated that way where we weren't friendly like Jesus? How many of us would maybe say, yeah, there's been moments where I haven't been a great friend. You know, those moments where people come and they want to just word vomit and tell you all their issues and you just do not care to listen because you're tired. Or there's moments when you need a journey with people and say, hey, can I, can I just bring a meal to you? And you're like, I don't want to cook for them. And there's moments where we just aren't the friend that Jesus has called us and wants us to be. Harvard Research, this article came out and they, they said this, over 36% of Americans feel seriously lonely. 61% of people between the ages of 18 and 25% feel extremely lonely. The irony of it is this, we are living in a more connected day and age, yet loneliness has begun an epidemic. 51% of new mothers feel lonely. Over 50% of people in America feel like they don't have one genuine, real friend. And that number grows drastically when it comes to men. See, we all want good friends, but there's moments where we're not good friends. In the later article, it went on to read this, and I found it interesting that Harvard would, would revert or say something like this because it's fascinating. One of the most liberal institutions now says this, we need to return to an idea that was central to our founding, and it is at the heart of many great religious traditions. We have commitments to ourselves, but we also have vital commitments to each other, including to those who are not vulnerable, but we also, let me say that again, but we also have vital commitments to each other, including to those who are vulnerable. Today, I want to talk to you about advancing with friends. We've been in this series called Advance. We've talked about advancing on God-given opportunities, on what happens in your day in, day out. Capitalize on those opportunities. We talked about advancing with our commitment. 
before we can really be committed to something, we have to know what we're committed to so we can be successfully committed to that. Today, I want to talk to you about advancing with friends. It's been said, you can go a lot faster alone, but you can go a lot further together. Each and every one of us are called to be and befriend people, to be a great friend. My challenge to you as we process today, as we go through the day, is who are people around you in your circle, in your sphere of influence that you need to befriend and really care for, love, show compassion to, live like Jesus would live from people of all different walks of life and say, you know what, no matter what you go against, whatever you face, whatever obstacle you endure, I am your friend. So today we're going to be looking at this fascinating story in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, where we see a story of great friends, a friendship that's so unique that Jesus radically moves and lives are forever changed. So join me, Mark chapter 2, verse 1, we see Jesus heals a paralyzed man. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Now, in other words, Jesus, he kicked off his ministry in this city at Peter's house. He's probably at this man by the name of Peter's mother-in-law's house. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through a roof above his head. That's because it was this time in, in, the, in the Middle East right here in, in the region of Galilee that it would be clay, it would be roots, it would be wood, so they could dig. Now you might be wondering, how do I dig through shingles? Well, that's because the roofs were made a little different then. So they dug a hole through the roof. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. My child, your friends are forgiven. Talk about some great friends. Some of you, if you put yourself in, in, in that mat, look, if you put yourself in that position, look, there's four friends that carried one person. I think that's an important detail because we need people around us that's just not one or two relationships, but we need multiple relationships. Because you might be standing next to somebody and said, hey, if you're paralyzed on a mat, there is no way I'm getting you to a second story. Let's be honest about that. You're like, heave, oh, you're not moving anywhere. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what kind of friend am I? Do I care? The people around me, do I care? Do I see them for them? Do I love them for them? Am I loving them where they are at? Or am I loving them because I expect them to be somewhere else? It's kind of like you can't just, you, you don't marry someone for the hope that they become somebody else. You marry that person for who they are now. That's how it is with friendship. So I want to challenge you with this. On a scale of one to 10, passive to passionate, are you passionate for the people around in your life, your friends in your life? Passive is kind of like this. Hey, you know what? You do your thing, I don't really care. 
Like we're friends when we can hang out, when we hang out, when it actually comes together. Passionate says there's intentionality that I'm going to text you, that I'm going to call you, that I'm going to care for you, that I'm going to check in, I'm going to write you a note, I'm going to give you an email, I'm going to give you a phone call, I'm going to buy your lunch. And here's the thing, a passive relationship says this when it comes to the good news of the gospel. If you truly care about your friends, you let them know about Jesus. I think a lot of times we say, hey, you know, if they just kind of happen to talk to me and Jesus comes up, we casually talk about that and so it happens. No, 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 no. Are you passionate about who Jesus is in your life? And if you're passionate about your friend in your life, then you care about their eternity in their life. A passive life says, hey, you know what, I'm a passive friend, so hey, if they know Jesus, that's on them. I know Jesus, that's all that matters. No, 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 no. When we advance with friends, we advance with those around us, and we care about them, so we share with them who Jesus is. Next week, spoiler alert, we're talking about how we share our faith. Easter is coming up. I want to encourage you. Get involved in our Easter rally next week at 1015 in here right now. In, at 1015 next week, we're going to take five minutes. We're going to pray over auditorium. We're going to pray over those who come. We're going to pray over in different areas that we can serve and get people connected with because we're going to have a lot of guests on Easter. We have what we call CEO Christians, Christmas, Easter only Christians, Okay. So we say that to say, hey, let's pray. Maybe they bring somebody. So we brush shoulders because we want to prep this place first saying, God, rain your spirit down so lives can be drastically transformed. But part of that too is we need to be passionate about our community and our friends and the opportunities around us to share Jesus with them. So I want to talk to you specifically three observations about when it comes to advancing with friends. The first one, if you want to advance with friends, move forward in your relationships, you need to be able to bear some burdens, bear some burdens. In Mark 2, 3, it says this, four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Talk about a burden. They arrived they showed up. What were they doing? They were caring, meaning this, there was some sweat equity into that relationship. Sometimes in our friendships, we don't want to have that sweat equity. We just want to say, hey, if it's easy, great relationship. If it's hard, oh man, I don't know about that. But they're caring. They're, they're, they're holding up a burden. Now, it's important to assess and look at this. Like, look at the scene. Everybody around Jesus at that time. Their eyes were locked in and glued on Jesus. Their backs are turned to everyone else. They're saying, we want to hear from Jesus. But these four men, they look at their friend. We don't know if they, they met. We don't know how long they have childhood friends, but they say, hey, you matter. How do we get you from point A to point B? They cared about their friend. A lot of times we want to know what it means to follow Jesus, but we don't want to live out what it means to follow Jesus. Well, they, they picked up the corners. They said, hey, we, we're locked. Uh, you know, majority of people, they, they chase their own reasons. They chase their own desires. They chase their own goals. Very few people will say, hey, you know what? It's about the person to my left or it's about the person to my right. As followers of Jesus, we're about the people to our left, to our right, because that's the way we show we love Jesus. So they see this man, 
They're helping them. They're saying, all right, fellas, we can't get in. It's packed. Everyone's backs turned toward them. All right, there's the second story. Let's go. We got some holes to dig. Talk about a burden. Talk about something they had to do. See, the world is filled with people interested in pursuing their own desires, their own reasons, their own causes. Are we people who are interested in the people to our right and to our left? We live in what I like to call a a drive-through society. I mean, growing up, Outback Steakhouse, like that was top dollar for me, you know, like the blooming onion, like woo. Now they have the Aussie Grill where it's like a drive-through like makeshift restaurant of Outback Steakhouse. We have a drive-through society. It's how quick can I get through this drive-through? How quick do I get my food? I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. Sometimes that's how we share Jesus with people. Hey, you know what? Uh, I know this guy, his name's Jesus. He changed my life. You should you know, know him too, and we just keep walking. Hey, you know what? Jesus is great. You know, Jesus is good. You should like him. You know, one Barna article says this, Christians, practicing Christians, are two times more likely to say that they are busy over an unchurched person saying that they are willing to listen to someone who's going to present them with Jesus. Two times we're more likely to say, hey, I'm busy, I don't really have time. Why drive-through mentality? If you want to advance with friends, those in your life, people around you, people to your right, people to your left, what you have to be willing to do is bear some burdens. See, people don't care how much you know before they, before they know how much you care. Understand that it doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the room, the most talented person in the room. People want to know that you care. People don't care how much you know before they know how much you care. See, truth of the matter is, you think in your life, best friends bear burdens. Think of the best people in your life. Think of the closest relationships in your life, who you can turn to in your life. Who are they? They're individuals that you've journeyed with, gone through things with, that you could cry with, that you can share with. Best friends bear burdens. I like to illustrate it this way. Um, You know, we have Easter coming up. I'll pump Easter for these next two weeks. Pretty hard to say, hey, who can we invite? Who can we bring? There's a difference between uh, the way we go about Easter. See, uh, a passive way we look at Easter is this, hey, come to church. Hey, just come to church. People are like, hey, what's come to church mean? See what we're calling, if we want to advance with people, if we want to advance with our friends, we're not about saying, hey, let's just come to church. We're not just an invitation church. What we are, we're a bringing church. So it's bringing over inviting. What I mean by that is this, there might be a call of your friend, someone you know, say, hey, I want to invite you to my church. Oh, I don't really have wheels. I can't get there to my church. Okay, let me pick you up. Let me bring you to church. If you care, you bring to church. What did these men do with their best friend, this guy they cared about? Did they say, hey, I invite you to come and learn about Jesus? What'd they do? They sweated a little bit. They brought him to Jesus. Parents in this room, like, I want to encourage you. 
There's no if, and, ah, my kid. If he's living under my roof, I want to encourage you. What you need to do, you need to bring them to Jesus. Bring them to church. If you're sitting in here and you're like, ah, I just kind of make it. No, no, no. If you have a friend, hey, how can I bring you to church? How can I bring you to Jesus? That's what it's about. Sometimes you got to have bold, brash conversations. But if you want to do that, if you want to be able to bring, you have to be able to sweat for that person, love that person, bear that person's burdens. When we look at this time and time again, the Apostle Paul, he even mentions this when he's speaking to the church of Galatia. He says this in Galatians 6, 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, you obey the law of Christ. You got people around you hurting, people around you confused, people around you in pain. That is a friendship waiting to happen. Bear some burdens. Also, we see this when it comes to this story. When we advance with friends, what we need to look at is we have to be willing to break some rules. Break some rules. You're like, hold up, my pastor just said break some rules? Absolutely. All right, by a show of hands, who likes to break rules? Don't raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. Seriously, I'm the kind of guy, you told me to don't color outside the lines. Guess what I'm doing when I get the marker? I'm coloring outside the lines. Human nature. Some of us aren't that, you know, far off. Some of us maybe are. But here's the thing. You have to break some rules. What do you mean break some rules? Let me ask you this, if you've ever broken rules, you've broken some rules. Who's ever driven without a seatbelt? Yep. Who's ever swam 30 minutes after you've eaten? Yep. Like, who's ever sniffed the dry erase marker or the permanent marker when you're really going strong? Yep. Like, we've all broken some rules. Mom tells you to do something, and you're like, hey, I can get by with it. Mom, like, don't worry about it. We've broken some rules. Truth of the matter is this. A lot of times we have the intent to break rules for personal gain. But I want to encourage you with this, break rules for Jesus and not personal gain. Break rules for Jesus. Let's look at how these guys broke some rules for Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verse 4. Let me highlight it again. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I want to pause there. So first, the physical rule they break. What do they do? They drill a hole through the roof. How many of you, if you had a party at your house, if you had whoever you name celebrity at your house, and you had some people show up, and they start coming down through the roof, how many of you would be pretty frustrated? I can imagine if it's Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law's house, you'd be like, what in the world are you guys doing? My mother-in-law is going to go nuts. Like, you're, you're opening a can, seriously, that's going to cause some issues. Broke some rules physically. Physically, there's going to be some rules that you might have to break. Let me practically put it this way, okay? There's policies that are coming out in corporate places. I have friends out in California. They're not allowed to share their faith. If you share your faith, you share anything about Jesus, guess what you can do? It's a reprimand, potential loss of job. Instantly, physically break those rules. You have a coworker coming in. They're in a predicament. Coworker coming in, hurting. Marriage is falling apart. What do they do? Can they share that Jesus with them or not? When you know that the hope they need is Jesus, they're going to be in a predicament, work policy, or hey, I'm going to physically step out and say, I'm going to put my arm around you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me bring you to church. 
That's what we're living in. That's the day and age that we're living in where you're going to be challenged, where you're going to might have to break some rules. There's missionaries. I love this church. We are a missions-focused church. We have missionaries we support. We're not necessarily allowed to talk about. We have to blank out their name that they come to us meet one-on-one because they're in closed country where the law prohibits them from sharing the gospel, from gathering. So what do they have to do? They have to physically break the rules, break the law for Jesus, not for their personal gain. Sometimes when it comes to our friends and it's eternity at stake, are we willing to break some rules? Sometimes, you know, there might be those signs that are posted. You might say, I have to to go around those signs. Socially, we also see where rules are also broken. But Jesus physically broke rules. Do you see this? When Jesus broke rules in Matthew chapter 8, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out, and what's he do? He touches a man with leprosy which is forbidden, physically reached out, touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Break some rules. Are you willing to break some rules when it comes to your friends? Then we also see another way that rules get broken socially. You have to break some rules. Jesus commonly would break social rules rules. He did not care about the taboo stigma of culture. He didn't care about it. He said, hey, you know what? If culture is going to think this about me, if the popular ideas are going to be about this and I'm going to be condemned, so be it. He didn't care socially. These men, can you imagine, they're right here. They lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine me and some of the hundred people in that room? They're all saying like, yo, what is going on? The dust is falling from the ceiling. They're trying to hear Jesus. And you got this ragtag group lowering this man, how big the hole is, right in front. Many of us, we get frustrated if people are kind of distracted and like, hey, you're, you're kind of, you know, like someone's in the movie and they're getting up or the, they're loud and you're like, oh, man, I can't believe that, right? Can you imagine this kind of scene taking place? They broke some rules socially. They didn't care what other people thought. You know, socially following Jesus and saying, hey, I'm going to be true to the identity he's given me. I'm going to own that. I'm going to love that. I'm going to say he's made me perfect in who I am. I'm going to rock with that. But nowadays we live in a society which I find ironic is this. You can't get a tattoo until you're 18. You can't drink till you're 21. You can't buy smokes or lottery ticket till you're 18. But now in some states, they're having consent from children at the ages of 14 to get a double mastectomy or mutilation of genitals. Think of the irony of that. Socially, if I, if I get up here and say, this is online, people are going to be like, oh no, look at this church. What's happening here? Oh no, taboo. Yes, taboo. Following Jesus socially doesn't make sense to our culture. If Jesus was concerned about being cool and fitting in, he wouldn't be our savior. It's simple as that. You got to break some rules. So that means it doesn't matter what people think of us as long as we're serving who Jesus is and what he's about to us. I have this friend, uh, 
finally he's been coming over and been talking and trying to journey with him through some things. And he says some things. I finally said, look, man, uh, I've been listening to you for a while now. I'm just going to be just blunt with you. I don't really care what you have to think. All the garbage you're going through, all the hurt, all the pain you're going through is a result of you not knowing who Jesus is. Like you can try to fix it yourself, but as a guy who's had a history and who's messed up sometimes, it doesn't make sense. Like it just doesn't work out. And uh, so I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to break some socially taboo rules. You can think I'm a weirdo, whatever, but let me just tell you what it is. Jesus, life savior, like his ideal plan, the best plan. Some of us know the ideal plan and revert from the plan, divert from the plan. And really you're wondering like, hey, why is life so messed up? Why my family so messed up? Why do I not get along? Why are there sticky situations in my life and in my family? It's because you know the plan, but you're diverting from the plan. So when it comes to socially breaking rules, you know the plan. The guys knew the plan. And then they were this. They were determined. They were determined at all cost for their friend to meet Jesus. Matthew 2, 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Notice he doesn't say, hey, if you know the story, he doesn't say, hey, get up, pick up your mat, walk right then. He says your sins are forgiven. Why? Because they were determined that it was the eternity at stake, that his salvation was at stake before a physical touch was much needed. See, they saw the big picture. They saw who Jesus was, who Jesus is. See, in Mark 2, verse 10, Jesus responds, and he's with the crowd of some religious people, and they're kind of backbiting at him. And he says this, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man stands up, picks up a mat, go home. Can you imagine the friends on the top ceiling looking down through the hole? They're like, dude, what home are we going through? This is awesome. They were so determined. They were so determined that it led to creativity. The creativity, Jesus responds to creativity. Sometimes we have to get creative with, with our friends. How do we uh, speak and share Jesus with our friends? How do we show people true love? How am I creative in my relationships? Jesus responds to creativity. I want to challenge you with that. Be creative in your avenues and with your friends because Jesus responds. He shows up. See, our faith in Jesus drives us to be creative. Why? Because we are determined that the one and only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. So when we're determined that Jesus can save lives, I will be creative in any way in my life so people can hear, people can know, people can experience radical love of Jesus. What, how do you need to get creative in your life so you can advance with friends so people can say, like, you imagine how creative those individuals were to see and lead their friend. I love in scripture it says their faith. We can assume that all five of them had great faith in Jesus. I think it's important as a church when we're coming into this Easter season and we're prepping for that is that we always remember this. We don't judge people without Jesus. We love people to Jesus. 
understand that we don't judge people without Jesus. We love people to Jesus. It means we've got to get creative. That means we have to be determined who Jesus can be in their life. We have this theme this year, and uh, it's called Believe for More. Uh, we had 21 days of prayer and fasting that happened in January. We had a, probably the seventh item down. We have this one friend focus. See, life is better together. We believe that. People need community. People need individuals around them that can lift them up, that can take them on the mat, that can maybe at one time you're carrying the mat, maybe at one time you're paralyzed on the mat. Maybe it's mentally, maybe it's physically, maybe it's socially, maybe whatever it's relationship-wise. I think all of us have been at one point or another on the mat where we needed some people to rally around us, to bear some burdens, to break some rules on our behalf, and to ultimately be determined to reveal a one true living God who we discover and know as Jesus, who rescues us from our sins and rewrites our eternity and gives us a new destiny, church. So when we come in this Easter season, we have invite cards out there. I encourage you to take some. When we come into this Easter season, when we have our one friend focus, here the band is gonna play for a moment, and I want you to think of that one friend you need to be bold, you need to be brave with, you need to be determined to say, hey, I'm gonna share Jesus with. But maybe some of us in this place, and we're gonna have our prayer team, they're gonna come forward when we all stand. In fact, I'm gonna ask us right now, let's just all go ahead, we're gonna stand. As our prayer team makes their way down to this, my left, your right, Maybe you're in here and you're carrying some burdens. Maybe you're going through something and you're struggling and you're hurting and you're in pain. We have people who wanna pray with you. Maybe you're wondering why your friendships and those areas of life, you're failing and you feel like there's hurt and you're, there's pain and things are happening. I wanna encourage you, it all starts with Jesus. If you need to give your life to Jesus, right here is the place to start. That's the next step. You come out, it doesn't matter what anybody says, socially taboo, whatever it is, it's not about them looking at me, it's not about them judging me, it's none of that. It's saying, hey, I need Jesus, I'm gonna come and pray with people that can lead me to Jesus. Because I'm broken, I'm messed up, and I'm mixed up, and I need a Lord and leader of my life. His name's Jesus. But maybe right now when we get ready to sing, I want you to be praying, meditating, singing, worshiping. Who's that one friend that I need to reach out bear some burdens with, be determined, and also know maybe there might be some rules I need to break in our relationship so that they can know and love a living God we call Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, if every head bow, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing together and then we'll have a few closing remarks. God, we give you this time right now. You see those hearts in here. You see the minds in here. Lord, lead us today. Lord, I pray for those who are making a commitment to follow you. Lord, give them a boldness and audacity to step out of their aisle, to step out of their chair and come in and see you and meet you in a real way. Lord, we pray right now for those who are thinking of their friends right now. Lord, give us a boldness to, to share the gospel, to advance with them, to bear some burdens, to be determined, break some rules so they can know life, Lord. We give you this moment in your great and holy name. We all say Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. 
And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.